Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best time fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Iowa. Take a look at the new Tatula Elite Reel. You'll love it as much as we do. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget, you can always find us at our website, wefishasa.com. Brad Nierman is our executive producer down in Land Lakes, Florida. We send him the audio and he mixes it up, puts it together, make it sound as good as it does. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston. We're going to bring out a guy, he's an elite angler, We're going to do a short segment with us because it's an interesting subject that just created a lot of buzz on the news. Chad Pipkins from Michigan, an elite angler, is going to talk about floggers, also known as a bathyscope. It's a way to see into the water, uh, not electronically, it's a scope. He'll tell us all about it. He uh, was one of the first guys to ever use these, and uh, it's creating a lot of controversy, a lot of interest. So we'll have Chad Pipkins on, and I'm going to get to visit with the guy who is on him. Wears a fur coat and a big hat. The good old boy from Kentucky, and he can catch bass. His name is Matt Robertson, and I'm looking forward to making his acquaintance. But first, we're going to swing it over to our friend Dave Kranz, who is going to bring on our friend Dan Johnston. Who knows what they're going to talk about today? I know it's going to be interesting. I know it's going to help you catch more fish. Dave and Dan, take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. And Dan Johnston and I today are going to talk about fishing safety. I think it's a good topic. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, we can only have fun when we're safe in anything that we do. And, you know, whether it's getting a hook in us or, you know, boating safety or anything, you know, we can keep it to fishing for this podcast, but it's extremely important. And sometimes we get so in the moment that we forget about that. And I think it's really key that we keep that in the forefront. And probably getting a hook in you is one of the uh, things that happens the most often that is dangerous, but there are we can't explain it well enough, I don't believe, on any audio, but there are many good YouTube videos to look how to take that hook out using the braided line, or if it's pushed all the way through, you can push it through, and that's one of the tips I'll give the start off is, is always have a good cutter with you so you can cut that barb off and it pulls right out, back it right out. But that I, I think watching those videos are important. Yeah, having a cutter is good if you can get to get it through, you know, and, and extra, I've taken the braided line trick on me and many people. And, and, and people are probably thinking, oh, man, this fishing thing's no fun. But I'm just here to tell you, if you fish, it will happen if you fish a lot. I don't care at what level or what you're going to get one in you or somebody with you is going to get one in you. But one thing I would say, being the son of a physician retired physician is you want to know where, where that hook is. I mean, if it's in an, in your hand or something, it's close to a tendon or something. We just don't want to be pulling on stuff and being irresponsible. I mean, if it's questionable, go get it freshly removed. No question. The 95% of times it's fine and just in a place where it's going to sting a little bit, 
Absolutely. Google it. You can show you right how to do it. It's all a little pressure. You push down and pull comes right out. I've done it 20 times. Absolutely. And and I think fishing safety uh, doesn't only apply to being on a boat. Being on a shore, you can still hook somebody. But, you know, footing, walking on, I had, and I bring this up because I had a customer that used to come in my retail store that was fishing Lake Michigan on the rocks for salmon, and he fell and broke his leg. I mean, it, he was out at the end. Uh, luckily, there were other people close to him, but imagine if you did that and it was getting dusk or dark and, and you could be there to the next morning. And sometimes that salmon fishery is cooler in the fall and, you know, hypothermia sets in. So, you know, be careful where you're walking and, and where you're going also. What, what, uh, what else can we add to that, Dan? Well, of course. I mean, no question anywhere of the environment that we're in and, you know, that we want to be, be equipped. You know, I would say in anything that we do, whether it's playing soccer or football or, you know, proper footing. I actually have a pair of fishing shoes on right now and I'm driving. I, I just because I was fishing yesterday and just happened to put them on this morning. But they do make a difference on the grip and fiberglass and just, you know, fishing is kind of to a degree has a little bit of athleticism to it, especially when you're bass fishing or a bass boat running from your console up on the deck. You know, everything, everything kind of matters, but I tell you where I really want to really want to emphasize, and this is a, a no fly zone, at least with me is sunglasses. I, I carry three in my boat, two backups. I've got some on me all the time. Um, and I have them on when I'm fishing period, end of discussion. And uh, it was a young man I had out the other day who didn't have his glasses, and I pretty much told him to wear them. And he goes, well, it's a cloudy day. I don't need them. It's, it's not the point. You know, it takes one time. I have actually had two times I've had one. One was a bullet weight, and one was a topwater bait. Hit my sunglasses. One time is going fast. You know, so absolutely 100% um, if I'm going to affect any listener out there, Wear your glasses when you're fishing, period. And then secondly, understand what baits do when you're fishing them. For example, a topwater bait, understand if you're fishing a low stretch line with a Zerispook and you set the hook with the rod tip way up in the air and with there are three people in the boat, that thing, if they don't fish up, misses it, might come back at you. So kind of think about things like that. And oftentimes, you know, prevention is is uh, is the best medicine. And just, or, or like if we're flipping in a foot of water, and we're setting with braid and you, and you miss that fish that, that, that jig could come right back out of the water at you. So just kind of be cognizant when you're setting the hook, understand if there's people in the boat, maybe set with that angle of that hook travel or the tip travel, maybe away from people. Yeah, that's, that's good advice because it, it does happen. And of course, if you've got something big with treble hooks and something's coming at you, the first thing you do is put your hand up to block it or arm to block it. And that's where it's going to be. It's going to get stuck in your hand or your arm. And, and I guess maybe that's better than an ear or a nose or your face, but uh, you definitely want to be careful when you've got uh, big treble hooks. And, and yeah, but the braided lines have made it possibly easier to to get hooked up because of the no stretch don't you think a hundred percent agree with that that's my whole point especially topwater baits because they come at you mock 50 if the fish misses it some of them come out of the water easier than others you know there's some of them where they kind of skid when you when you set the hook but if it's close to the boat and something hits it and you set upward man it thing can come right at you so you know and even and this is going to sound really silly but even deploying the hook in the reel, either in the reel or in the hook keeper and how you store your rods in your rod locker. I mean, 
the last thing you want to do is be all over the place and have some reel to the tip and some reel to the stripper guide and arm hooked up and some to the reel and some to the keeper. You go reaching down and you got three or four rods and you've got treble hooks in the deal. It's good to have a system and be, be organized. And that's a safety deal. I mean, I'm not the best practitioner of that, but I try to be because I want to know when I'm grabbing a rod, I don't have a hook there. And if I deploy it right, it's not going to be there. And if I do all of them, the same way granted some keepers are in different positions but at least i know that and i'm not reaching down and grabbing a rod halfway up and there's a lure hooked in the second guide or something so sometimes it's just little things like that can avoid a lot of problems absolutely i 100 percent agree with that i'd also anything that's in my boat with a treble hook on it i uh i use a real uh, a lure cover which helps prevent me grabbing things like that and probably even if it's a drop shot hook or a Sanko hook or, a, a, you know, a Ned rig or even even those probably should be covered. But to your point, if you've got it at the hook keeper, at least you know where you're at. And if you reach, you know, far enough, six, eight inches in front of the reel, you're not going to be putting a hook in your hand or moving a rod, rods around in a rod, rod locker. Or if you're carrying a bundle of rods, you might, you know, you could get it that way. So, yeah, that's good, too. Um, let's talk a little about a little bit about all the uh, options for um clothing that at a measure of safety you said sunglasses and that's for the sun and that's for protecting your eyes but uh, how about clothing for being safe yeah anymore dave i wear i mean i fish in shorts all the time but any more um i wear fish monkey gloves and i wear long sleeve sunproof shirts with st croix makes a bunch of them i wear them people see my videos i'm in them all the time and i'm a i am becoming more and more um thorough about sun protection and not only will i put sunscreen on but i'll wear the gloves for the back of my hands and also that's hook protection too to a degree it's not going to stop something really coming at you but it's a lot better than nothing and plus i have to worry about sunscreen the back of my hands but you know the long sleeve shirts it's funny to see my hands are like black and my arms are white. But, uh, you know, I just think it's important as much as we're in it to be cognizant, you know, cognizant of that. And we're a high SPF sunscreen. Remember, SPF is only a rating on how long it lasts. So if you put 50 on versus 10, it doesn't mean the 50 is a stronger dose. It means it lasts longer. So, you know, you want to make sure that you understand that so you reapply things throughout the day. You can put sunscreen on once and end up fried if you're not careful. Absolutely. You, you sweat and, or you get water on you and yeah. your hands in and out of the water. Uh, another thing is very important is a hat or a face mask because those things will, for those of us that are out there a lot, the sun can uh, definitely damage your skin. And, and there are many fishermen uh, years ago that uh, didn't do anything. And, and uh, I know quite a few of them that have had bouts of skin cancer, and I think you do too. Uh, nothing that was life-threatening, but they still had to go through, you know, minor surgeries to take care of that. Oh, no question. I, I think that, and it's one thing the good Lord teaches us with age is humility. So, you know, we just want to make sure we take care of ourselves. And, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up, and this is a little more ancillary, but we want to understand how fish, fish themselves can get you. Understand anatomically what about fish can get you. In other words, poking you, biting you. Pre understand what have teeth, you know, northerns, musky, even walleye. Walleye, for example, let's focus on that. The dorsal fin and the gill plate. Yeah. Google the gill plate for all the new anglers out there listening. Largemouth bass, just lip them. If you get one, lip him with authority because if you've got a hook in his mouth and you lazily 
lightly grab on that fish shakes, you got a hook in you. Bluegill's going to be the dorsal fin. Crappie's going to be the dorsal fin. Catfish going to be the pectoral fins. Yep. And I know a lot of people know this, but we have a lot of new anglers out there. And if some of them are listening, understand what fish can get you. Because if you don't, you just start grabbing stuff. You're going to end up with some little infections and holes in your hands. You, you will. And uh, one other thing, we talked about the braided line with no stretch. I'd like to add, don't ever grab the line to take a lure out stuck on a dock or stuck on a rock or stuck on a log because that can cut to the bone in, on your hands. Uh, I keep a little block of wood in my boat to, to wrap the braid on and pull it out because the braid can break rods, break ro- tips. You know, if you reel down to them, uh, you know, you can break out uh, eyelets, things like that. But do not grab it with your hands or, or you will get hurt. Well, that's a great one. And boy, we could, we should do another one on this. Cause I got 10 more in my head. Another one. I almost made a big mistake grabbing a red rattle trap that I could see a foot under the water hung up. I was mm. actually in a tournament. I re I followed the line down with my hand and I got the hook in my hand in a 22 foot bass boat in the wind. Not good. So that was note to self. Never do that again. Never like do that. Again. But the point is just a lot of this is common sense, but for people that don't fish a lot, hopefully they've heard something that's like, boy, you know what? I don't do that. Maybe I should start doing it to prevent. Cause Dave, you and I are saying these things cause we've learned the hard way. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> you know, right. Yep. So it's all good. It's all good to pass us. And, and you are 100% right. We're going to have to do another segment on this cause we are out of time on this one. And I thank you for being on the podcast again. Yeah, Dave, always my pleasure. Thanks so much. Excellent. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Krenz. Uh, Steve Starley is remote. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and that segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that whoever we have on this segment has a passion for the outdoors, and our next guest certainly does. He's an elite pro. He is Chad Pipkins. Welcome to the pro program. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's been a lot of talk about... Uh, 
they using this flogger in tournaments and also was first called the bathyscope, I believe, over in Europe. But uh, look at all the electronics and everything we get to use now. I mean, you can see fish on there. It still doesn't help you catch them, but, but there are pros and cons on it. What, what's your opinion on it? Because you used it early on, didn't you? Yeah, but we actually were the ones that started it, named it, and got it over from Europe, actually. Funny story is me and my buddy Ryan said, and Jeff Cox, Jeff, I want a BFL with a, a snorkel mask. That was the first time I won sight fish <laughs> with your small mouth. And he's, he's a little lazier. We joke with him. He's like, there's got to be a better way. So he found that over there in Europe. We got it sent here, and we had a trip. Ryan and I had a trip to Thousand Islands, and his favorite band is Flogging Molly, and we were just crushing them on He's like, man, we're, we're putting a flog on these fish. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then he's mentioned the band I'm like let's call this thing the flogger <laughs> randomly jokingly how it got its name before and it's hilarious because that's nationwide is what it's called now which is pretty pretty wild it is you watch all the uh any of the professional uh, levels that are going out to uh thousand islands or uh you know lake champlain some of those clear bodies of water out there uh, all of the great lakes uh but uh yeah i, I don't know i i you get people that say they think it should be banned uh, uh, what's the pros and cons on that <laughs> Well, here's my thought on that. I think that's an absolute joke. If somebody is going to ban a circle cone, when you've got front-facing uh, sonar, you've got polarized sunglasses, you've got down imaging, you've got side imaging, and you're going to tell somebody they can't use a cone to put in the water, I think that's because they don't know how to use it or they're having trouble. It, it, it's a lot of work to find those fish with that. Like the BFLs that I want and some of the top tens I've made, I've got a chance to use it. I'm literally, when I'm done, I've got a... a, a uh, bloody bloody knees, ripped jeans, got a uh, black and blue lip and a mouth because the things hit you in the face. And I think there's guys that don't want to do that, and so they want people not to use it. And I think that's that's the issue with a lot of the stuff. It's if it's easy for everyone, nobody wants to ban anything unless they don't know how to use it or aren't capable of using it because it takes a lot of work. It's a pain on your back and pain on your joints and stuff. And I get that, but you can't ban something because you're not familiar with it. It's not doing anything to the fishery. It's not hurting anything. You know, it's just. Yeah, everybody's got their own two cents, but that's that's my version. <laughs> yeah, and and it it is a lot of work to use it. When you see guys sprawled out on a deck, laying on a deck, rod in one hand, trying to hold the the flogger in the other hand, and uh, every technique requires a skill set, and that's just another skill set. I, I I think I remember back. I'm I'm older. I'm 62, but I remember back uh, when electronics came out, and and Minnesota said, "Oh, you can't use a you know a flasher. You'll you'll catch every walleye in the lake, and you'll deplete the populations." And it still doesn't catch the fish for you, does it? No, it doesn't. It really. I mean, it, it's funny because it, it shines once in a while. Like I started with that thing, you know, 15 years ago. Honest to goodness, I have only used it in a tournament. I've won a few BFLs. A couple like uh, Toyota Series or, um, you know, Bass Opens where I've actually used it, but I haven't even got the opportunity to really use it for a full-blown site tournament more than, you know, five or six times in 15 years. So when it shines, it shines, but the window of opportunity with that, it's pretty small. And, and like you said, I mean, with all the technology, all it teaches you is how many fish are actually down there that you're not catching. And even smallmouth, I mean, some of those tournaments that I, that I did real well in, like there's fish that I left there that are on the bed lock and I'm just watching them stuck to the bottom and I can get them to blow at something every once in a while, but can't get them to eat. I mean, when it's, when it's time for them to go, they'll hit something 20 yards from the bed, but when they lock down and want nothing to do with anything, it does happen and it's tough and it's just, just another tool that you get to use. And, and it's, it's super exciting and fun to see how fish react. And I've watched them with that go over crayfish crawls in the bed. I watched a smallmouth pick up the crayfish by the back move it off two feet, drop it off, crayfish crawls back, he goes over there, picks it up again, 
and drops it off, and then the crayfish goes the other way. I mean, when they don't want to eat, it's just, they don't. It's just it's neat to see that stuff. You never you never see that, you know, if you didn't have things like that. Absolutely, and I, I think uh, sometimes as more the more sophisticated these electronics get, I've said that too. Um, where some guys will say, "Boy, look at all those fish! I can see you know fourteen smallmouth here, and or, or largemouth or whatever," and and that can almost work against you, can't it? When they're in that negative mode, if you stay too long on that, you know, seeing them might not be the best thing. One one hundred percent, and that's that's one of those things where you just got to learn how to use the technology and learn how to read the fish because. With that, you know, there's fish that you just, you are not going to catch. They're down there swimming around. And if they're in that negative mood, like you need to be able to recognize that. Whether you're seeing that with the flogger or whether you're seeing that with forward-facing sonar, those are what starts to separate people. Like, you're not going to catch them all. And you need to you need to know that. I like to fish quick and run and gun. But just because they're there doesn't mean you're going to catch them. Maybe you notice they're there, so you look for a different window. Like, man, they're really there. I need to come back here when the wind changes or maybe, you know, two hours from now when the current or the tide comes in, like that kind of stuff. But you definitely can't catch them all. No, no, you can't. And uh, uh, probably many people that are using these techniques, including the, uh, you know, forward imaging, all the things that they can see fish, uh, they may not be fishing as much pre-fishing for a tournament uh, as they would have before, and that might work against them. You probably have to catch a few to find out if they are that negative or not, don't you? Yeah, you do. It's just, again, it's just about reading them. And once you learn, you know, which which fish are active and stuff, it's about that, that technology is more more used on the tournament day themselves. Like in practice, I don't need to catch them all. I just need to find them. Mm-hmm. and know that there's th- certain places that they're eating or feeding. And there's other places. I just, I honestly think it's like, like us, I mean, there's certain places we eat every day. There's certain places we live. Like if you're at the dinner table, you're going to eat. You know, if you're just going for a stroll or something in the yard and something stops by, you're not going to eat. I think the fish are the same way because with me and smallmouth, there's certain little specific places that I know if there's a fish there, typically I'm going to catch it. But if they're not, they're not there a lot. They're only there when they eat, you know, and those are the places I like to target. Absolutely. I I uh, have to agree with your buddy, though, of, of, of putting on a, a swimming mask and hanging my head over the side of the boat trying to catch fish. That probably uh, or did you wear it or were you able to just put it in the water? No, I actually wore it. It was, it was, a turn, it was during the tournament. And that was the first one that I did well with. And one, that's how I found most of the fish in practice. When it's when you get that light glass day, no wind, you know, and sun, you can see everything. Yeah. But you rarely get that. You put a little ripple on the water. You can't see anything. And so that, that mask, and just like the flogger, just breaks up the surface. And it was just one of those where I was able to, you know, I knew they were there. There was a little ripple, and I could put my head down and kind of see which way they were facing. And I actually caught a couple. I caught a 6-4 because of that, and like another one that was in the fives. And it was just what kind of what made the difference and made us made us looking for something a little easier. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that would do it. What's your uh, tournament schedule for the, uh, the rest of the season? Oh, I'm excited. I'm, we're going to be gone a whole month here coming up on Friday. But the good news is we're going to be in New York literally the rest of the year. So we've got Lake Champlain um, that first week in July, back-to-back with Thousand Islands right after. And we've got a few days off before the, the next open is over at Oneida in New York. And then uh, we're back up in September uh, at Thousand Islands again for the, the last open. So lots of smallmouth fishing, and uh, I'm not going to complain one bit about that. No, no, not at all. Of course, going to uh – uh, Champlain, I'm sure uh, that's probably one of those uh, places that the uh, the largemouth will play also, won't they? Yeah, and, and you got to pick your poison. I'll, I will never even make a cast for a largemouth. And I say that just, you know, if I do, it's it's going to be off the bank. I'm not going to flip anywhere. I know that. I just, there's four to five pound smallmouth and there's enough to win 
you know, at any time, but it's just like anywhere else. You got to put your time in. I know the section lake, I like to fish and there's just a lot of different places they can be. They can be up shallow cruising. They can be on the edges of the grass. They can be in rock and you know, the sand flats. So you just, you got to get out of there and hunt for them. Cause it's, there's just a lot of water and they move a lot too. So you want to have an idea of where they're at now. And you know, that there's a good chance they won't be there. They might be next door on the, the grass line or the rock pile, you know? Yeah, and I think people don't realize in those, I mean, those are uh, river systems where you have uh, your first one, Champlain, it's a river system, a lot of flowing water, uh, and the wind can also dictate current there too, can't it? Oh, yeah, and it does, it backs it up, and it lays the grass over sometimes, and that's kind of what I like. I, mean, I fish the same general area, you know, it's 10 miles or whatever, but you start to realize the more you fish it, how much it changes based on the wind. You know, they're eating a crankbait really good, and the grass is laid down right, and then it gets flat, or the wind switches the next day, and then the grass stands up. You know, sometimes they're moving to a different grass line or, you know, hard spot, or other times they're just suspending or, or, or you know, relating to their, their structure where they're at in a different way. Yeah, yeah, it's... Um... And that's what makes it fun, isn't it? I mean, forget about all these electronics and everything. You you still have to catch them. You still have to figure them out. But before that, you got to find them. And and I think that's that's uh, the game of, of fishing. Uh, no matter what they develop, short of being able to stand up in your boat and see the lake as if it were dry and see where every fish is, I, I don't know that anything should be banned if it's available to everybody. No, I, I agree. And I, I just think it's another resource. It's like trying to ban a tool in like construction. Like, oh, you guys can't use uh, nail guns. You know, they're too quick. You got to use the hammer. You know, it's <laughs> like it's part of moving forward. And that's what, that's what our whole industry is about. And that's what that's what drives it and what makes the companies involved, because there's obviously profits to be made. And that's what us anglers are searching for. We're looking for the next best way to get, you know, to, to get an edge, you know, whether it's a better line, better, sharper hooks or, you know, a reel that casts further, smoother, anything like that. So it's like. There's no, no reason to ban it because I promise you, if it was crystal clear and you could see how many are down there, all that would do is drive you crazy because I've seen them on camera when you're not getting bit and you can fish everything under the sun and, and you put a camera down there and they're swimming all over the place and it, it would honestly drive you wild. So I think the more you know, uh, it can be, like you said, can be a little haunting at some times. <laughs> yeah, you think, you think uh, I, I, you know what you're doing. I think most of the time they make us look good or they make us look bad, but it, it looks like you're going to be in heaven here and uh, fulfilling your passion to chase those brown ones the, uh, the next four tournaments. And uh, that's a good thing. And I look forward to uh, watching you go forward. And I do thank you for uh, taking time to talk to us on the We Fish ASA podcast today. Hey, no problem. I look forward to the, the smallmouth. Hopefully they cooperate a little bit. We can, we can get after them and make another classic here. That's, that's the plan. That's the goal, right? That, uh, thank you again, Chad. We appreciate it. Uh, that was Chad Pipkins. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. 
Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Happy to be able to introduce you to our next guest. He is on the elite circuit, uh, a rookie on the elite circuit. He is a really, really excellent fisherman, uh, gaining quite a name for himself, performing very well. But he's got a couple of things that make him real hard to to not notice. He's got a look that's very unique, and we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about his fishing, but everybody... Please welcome Matt Robertson. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, no problem at all. Where are you from, Matt? Man, I'm from... Uh, Here, let, let, let me take a guess from listening to your voice. Uh, I'm thinking New Jersey or Connecticut. How Am I close? Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> northeast. <laughs> uh, where, 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 where in Kentucky is that? Uh, man, I'm in western Kentucky, right? Right. Right around Kentucky Lake, about five minutes from Kentucky Lake, and uh, grew up in this area. And yeah, um, this accent set in pretty thick, hasn't it? Ah, it's not not bad, not bad at all. Uh, Kentucky Lake uh, is that obviously five minutes away. That's uh, that's what you call home water. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? Maybe we, you know, you're you're fishing the elites, and I said we talk about bass, but. Now that I hear Kentucky Lake, maybe we should be talking crappie fishing. What do you think? Man, I'm going to tell you what, the crappie is pretty good this year. Um, it was a little slow the last couple of years, but man, the lake's, the lake's doing good now. And yeah, buddy's got some giant crappie in it. Well, it's, it's funny because uh, uh, we're, we're, we're recording this from Chicago. And uh, I think you're asking an awful lot of people from, uh, you know, the Chicago area, southern Wisconsin, uh, northern Indiana, uh, say you want to go crappie fishing. They're, they're planning a trip to Kentucky Lake. That is like the spot for it. And uh, it, I'm glad it's doing well because from what I know, it's kind of cyclical. You have up, you have good years, you have bad years. Yeah, we've had a, well, there was about three years that it was pretty down. But now it's doing the coming uh, back off the down cycle. You know, it's getting good again. And guys, it's catching uh, a couple crappie pretty good this year so far up there. 
Now, now uh, let's talk about Kentucky Lake for bass fishing. It's it's uh, is it always pretty consistent? Yeah, this uh, less, uh, fishing in general the past couple years has kind of been down, but this year, like literally this this past winter and on, uh, the lake's been phenomenal. It's consistently good right now. It's taken, uh, you know, 20, 22 pounds to win a tournament and a bunch of 14, 15 pound bags being caught. So, uh, you know, it's doing good and it's going to do nothing but uh, continue to get better over the next couple of years. All right, let's talk about Matt Robertson. How, how old are you, Matt? Oh, man, I'm, uh, I'm middle aged. I'm uh, 35 now. Middle aged? You're a kid. That's not middle aged. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my goodness! Thirty thirty five years old. Uh, uh, married kids? Yeah, I got one. He's uh, he's fourteen and absolutely does not like to fish. No kidding. Yeah. Isn't that yep. something? He's a hunter. He's a hunter, but so he he does for the outdoors. And uh, yeah, I got one kid that doesn't like fishing at all. So so one child and one wife. Yeah, that 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 that, that 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 that's a good thing. One wife is a good thing to have. Yeah, I yeah. I would yeah. say so. When, when how, tell me about uh, your life in fishing. When did you start fishing? When did you start taking it serious? Uh, man, I, I kind of started fishing. Uh, I've been fishing my whole life. My grandparents took me whenever I was real young, and my mom. And they'd actually started fishing tournaments with my grandma whenever I was 11 years old in a little bass club, uh, Lake Marlin Bass Club. And, and man, ever since then, it's all I ever did and all I ever wanted to do. Um, whenever I fished the Federation and stuff, you know, since I was 16 up until, you know, my 20s. And, man, I was... I've been doing I made some good money on Kentucky Lake, won a lot of stuff locally, and and whenever the lake kind of hit that down cycle, uh, some of the tournaments kind of started to leave. So the last two years, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, if I'm going to take a stab at it and try to fish professionally, this is probably the time to fit. And, uh, and yes, yeah, so I started fishing with bass opens, and uh, really got into bass, the Bass Nation Federation really heavy. And, uh, yeah, man, we made it. Made it to the Elite Series, long story short. Um, man, what a, what a ride. Did, did, did you do guiding uh, down where you live? Man, I don't. I'll be honest with you, I've tried guiding. And I enjoyed crappie guiding and, you know, going catching a big red ear and bluegill. But, man... Bass fishermen might be the most arrogant people on the planet. I just don't handle <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, oh, no, actually, explain that. Explain why that didn't work. Did what? Why, why didn't that work? Explain it. Give me a better answer than that. Um, man, I'm a, I'm a people person, but what I found out, like, I enjoy going out and teaching people stuff, but uh, what it boiled down to was the majority people are just wanting spots and whatnot and i you know i was more into the teaching how to find how to find the stuff yourself and uh, it seems like a lot of people weren't interested in that and uh, uh they just you know wanted to go out there and i take people to community holes and catch them but they were like 
I'm known locally on Kentucky Lake and and for doing well in tournaments and and man they were wanting uh, a lot of secret holes and I tried to explain to them man that's not how uh, that's not how this works man the community holes are community for a reason that's because they live there. It, it, that makes that makes definite sense to me it's uh, it's interesting the information that people think they can talk you out of, isn't it? Oh, yeah, man. And, I, you know, I wasn't, it's not that I, I was willing to teach people. That's the thing. I taught a lot of people a lot of things. It wasn't everybody. But, man, you got to have a certain personality for guiding. And, uh, and man, I just didn't have it. You know, I know I know a lot of guides here, great people. Uh, Craig Kipcher, probably the best guide on the lake for crappie or bass. Um, Man, he's got the personality for it and does well at it. And it just it just wasn't for me, man. It's just like anybody else with any other job. Some things are for you and some things ain't. Huh. Very interesting. I, I, good good uh, good answer to that and, and, and I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. It's uh uh, you, you can't uh, you can't be everything to everybody. You got to pick your uh, pick your strengths, and, and you have obviously done that. Um, I wanted to say I read something, and they said that uh, you've got a reputation as being an excellent ledge fisherman. Yeah. All right. Yeah, man, that's that's I, what I've been doing a lot down here. All right. So so be there. There are ledges created. On Kentucky Lake because that is a reservoir and the water moves, right? Exactly. All right, so when people hear this or they're watching the tournament and they hear the term ledge fishing and they go, I got to try ledge fishing. Well, you can't try ledge fishing unless there are ledges available to you. So it's a specific to bodies of water, not just a technique, right? Absolutely. You know, um, a lot of these lakes with ledges in it, a lot of people don't realize the lakes are, uh, you know, man-made. You've got old, uh, river bottoms where they, you know, there was once woods and fields and ditches and, uh, man, got a spot out there. There's an old airplane strip and uh, uh-huh. they dammed it up and flooded the lake and the ledges are and But a lot of these, you know, more natural lakes, you don't have that, you know. Well, when uh, when I hear that uh, when I hear that ledges, I go, oh, you know what? If I'm going to a lake and there's ledges, man, that's what I'm going to fish. But that that's not the end of the story because to be a good ledge fisherman doesn't mean that you know what you're going to pull out of your tackle box and what's going to work. What's a good ledge bait? There's a heck of a lot of presentations you can use when fishing ledges. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know. Everything depicts the time of year. There's always fish on ledges year-round on Kentucky Lake. Yeah. And uh, they just move to uh, different forms of ledges throughout the year, you know. Most of the fish move up to to spawn, but I know some some of them do spawn out on the main lake. And uh, ledges is just the terminology for a, for a contour change, man. And they'll get... Uh, They'll be on steep ones in the wintertime and like more tapering uh, ledges in the summertime and whatnot. Uh, interesting. That, that is, uh, that's very interesting. And it's uh, uh, got to take a long time to learn that. You know, people say that uh, uh, you guys get thrown off when the tour takes you up north onto a smallmouth fishery. Uh, but I, I don't. I know. I realize that for a lot of guys that have never fished smallmouth or don't fish smallmouth often, that is a big change. 
But it, it's it's a big change when when you're a, a, a natural lake fisherman and you go to a, a river system with ledges. That'll throw a guy off, and you don't have to drive half the country to, to encounter a challenge like that. Oh yeah. Um, the one thing I can say I think is going to come in helpful is I grew up fishing below Kentucky Dam, and it's some high current, you know, mile and a half to three and a half mile an hour current. And That's I grew up down there smallmouth fishing a lot and doing a lot of drift fishing. And whenever it comes to the St. Lawrence, whenever I got to talking to fighter and the Canadians, man, they were kind of telling me about it a little bit. And I told them, I said, Dave, you're pretty much explaining to me how I grew up fishing down below the dam. I mean, drifting and whatnot. So right, right, yeah. I think, yeah, I think I'm going to be all right at, at the St. Lawrence River and in, in that river-style fishery. And, uh, yeah, man, I've actually, you know, the times I've went to smallmouth fisheries, like I went to Cherokee uh, last fall, it's a smallmouth fishery, and, I, you know, I won the bass open there. Um, so far, knock on wood, I've been pretty fortunate on the smallmouth fishery. So, man, I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to uh head up to me and Seth's going to a place in Michigan for a couple of days and then we're gonna head to Champlain and uh get the northern swing started. Yeah, excellent. Boy, they're uh uh they're hitting champ uh, they're they're on Champlain right now as we're talking about this on, on uh the major league. Uh, you guys are up there the next week. I believe uh uh Major League Toyota series goes up two weeks after that. Uh yep. some of these things get rocked pretty hard. Do you find that that makes a difference at all? Does uh, does the uh, fishing it, 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 does a pro tournament give a, a body of water enough pressure to make a difference to maybe make the fish a little lethargic? Yeah, absolutely. It makes a difference. You know, you're putting um, like a, a will be a hundred. You're putting a hundred of the best fishermen each time, and with the Toyota series, there will be two hundred. Uh, you're putting <laughs> some of the best fishermen on the planet uh, on these fisheries and and they're going to hunt down every, almost every spot in the lake where a bass lives and yeah, so it makes a different difference. It really pressures the fish and they get wise pretty quick to what's going on. So um, you don't, the last tournament coming in there on the backside of the other two, it's going to be pretty detrimental and it's going to be tough a lot tougher fishing interesting very very interesting hey i need to take a real quick break let our sponsors have a word uh when we come back i would like you to talk about your sponsors a little we'll talk a little bit more about uh bat i will talk a little bit more about bass fishing that's what we're here for but we will talk about the uh what matt robertson is i want to talk about the character matt robinson yeah. it's all about you're lar- you're larger than life in a lot of respects and we'll explain that to the people when We Fish ASA with Steve Sarley and Dave Krantz comes back with Matt Robertson right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry docked for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. 
Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Refish ASA is back. I am Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is not in the studio. He is remote. Refish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. You know, folks, if you would like to become an advertising partner or know somebody that would prosper by becoming an advertising partner of the We Fish ASA show, please contact us through our website, wefishasa.com. We're not going anywhere. We just started our sixth year of weekly shows. Uh, this is like number 262. I know for all of you who said we'd never make it, you were wrong. We're here. And anybody who said Matt Robertson wasn't going to make it, they're wrong too because he is starting to really rev up and do things. So so who is who is Matt Robertson? I'll tell you what, Matt, I was at the Classic two years ago uh, down in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was, walking, yep. I was walking into the hotel as all of the anglers and their wives were coming out of the hotel and getting on buses because you're all being taken to the Night of Champions, which is a big... Uh, fancy dress-up dinner where you know they, you know they, they roll out the red carpet. It's a it's a big time affair, and, and I saw you come out and I I, I did a double take because uh, I I see this guy. He's got this uh, blonde hair. And he's wearing this big brim hat and a fur coat, and and I I, I just looked. I said, Oh my God, Skeet Reese has lost his mind. Why is he dressed like that? <laughs> And the guy next to me said, that's not Skeet Reese, that's Matt Robertson. You never met him? I said, never seen him before in my life. I said, man, he is a snappy dresser. And, and, and it's, it's funny, I, I, I've told Skeet Reese that story, and uh, he, 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 whacked, he elbowed me pretty hard when I told him that I mistaken, uh, mistook you and him. But uh, uh, you, you've got to look. Now that I've seen you, I would never miss you again. What is the deal with that? Yeah, man, Um I grew up with really not a whole lot, you know, I didn't grow up with that silver spoon in my mouth, but, uh, uh, so I like to walk around and, you know, blue jeans and cut off shirts most of the time, but, uh, whenever I roll out of the trailer park here and it's time to look good, buddy, I might tell you what, um, I feel like I can do it better than anybody. You, you tell me it's a red carpet event and... We're going to pull out all the stops. It's not just going to be a standard, you know, blue or black set. It's always, we're going to, I don't have to dress splashy, boy. Uh, oh, hey, you know, you, you're fishing in, 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 in warm weather. It's pretty dang hot wherever you're going. 
how, do you, how do you deal with a fur coat? And I got to tell you, in Nashville, or not Nashville, it was uh, it was cold out. Well, not not super cold, but it was chilly. <laughs> it was springtime. Yeah. And, but that fur coat I got, it was it's a real like it's a real fur coat, and I got it's Siberian Mountain Goat, and I got it uh, out of Germany. And it's the real deal. Like you could go in sub zero uh, temperatures and stay warm in that thing. And I ain't gonna lie to you, boys. I sweated like nobody. <laughs> like it was hot. You know what? It's like the women wearing heels. Or <laughs> gotta make sacrifices to look good. <laughs> and uh, and for one night, I made the sacrifice. Oh, uh, 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 don't. Please, uh, tell, tell me you're not going to start wearing heels. Oh, no. Anyway. Oh, th- 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 <laughs> th- th- thank goodness. Hey, you, you know, you, you develop a couple of look things and people get you. I mean, uh, we, we see you plenty without the, without the fur coat. Who, who's the guy that fishes barefoot? Um, a couple of guys that, that fish barefoot. I got you. You know, you know, guys, when you see that, it's, it's, it's part it's part of a, it's part of a look thing. I'll tell you one thing. We're talking about your look, and uh, go to this. Your hat says Anum, O-N-E-M, because you are Anum, and I think that is identifying. Who came up with that catchphrase, Anum? And because uh, I think it, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Man, a couple of buddies came up with it, kind of like a kind of a gimmick deal, but. Uh... But man, I, I started wearing it. I won the six, next six tournaments on Kentucky Lake whenever I first uh, first got it, and I just kept on wearing it, dude. And and it's kind of become my staple, and people love it and everything. Uh, and I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you, everybody that wears them. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty humbling to think you know people want to wear a hat like this of yours, and. Uh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's awesome to see you see it out and about. I don't know. I, I, I like it. It's a it's a great it's a great saying. It's it's simple. It's a good look. I like it quite a bit. And, and you you do have that copywritten, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. All I right. got everything under the sun trademark with it. Good. You're you're a smart guy. I think that is absolutely. I think that is absolutely great, and you'll do uh, you'll do well with that. In addition to to doing well with fishing, so so tell me who's who's uh, who's sponsoring you? Who keeps you on the water by uh, helping you out as uh, financial sponsors? Well, man, I'm just an everyday working guy, just like uh, just like everybody you got listening here, man. I uh, man, I live in a six thousand dollar trailer. Um, I you know I qualified for the Elite Series using mostly stuff you can buy at Walmart. So my 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 title sponsor is Ugly Stick man. And whenever I went to him, uh, we were talking about it, and I told him I told Pure Fish, and I said I want to use the stuff I you know that got me here. I don't want to change anything. I don't want the uh, you know three four two three four hundred dollar rods. I want to you know I want to use what I've been using and. Uh, and man, they, they thought it was a, it was great. And so, Ugly Sticks, Ugly Sticks, my title sponsor, and 
Man, old country boy from Kentucky. You know he's got to have a, a whiskey sponsor. So, uh, <laughs> 10 Cup Whiskey, man. Uh, they're another one of my big sponsors. Uh, Mountain Whiskey, made in uh, Denver, Colorado. It's cut with Rocky Mountain uh, water. And, yeah, man, uh, working man representing, you know, who I am and uh, representing every, all the other hard workers, you know. I think I think that is absolutely great, and uh, uh, it is it is certainly interesting to to see you on the boat. And you got the big uh, ugly stick logo across the front of you because there'll be there'll be people saying oh, I I would never fish with a, with an ugly stick. I don't even know what ugly sticks cost anymore. I remember they were fifty bucks forever. Uh, I know that I know they're up higher than that now, and it is the it is the number one selling fishing rod in the world, if I am not mistaken. I mean, people line up to buy them. They, they've never had a, a downturn. They sell a ton of them. And uh, you get people turn up their nose and say, oh, they're not sensitive enough. Oh, not, uh, they, they must be okay. They're putting enough fish in your boat. And, and you know what? They're reasonably priced. Uh, they last like crazy. You know, they, they always had those commercials on where, where – uh, uh, the, the guy's holding it up and it gets in the in the ceiling fan and it doesn't break and and you know for for the average fisherman that says a lot. I want something that's going to last. Uh, I I can't spend four hundred dollars for a rod and then be breaking it. You know, was uh, uh, setting the hook on a snag and oh, break the tip off. I I would like something that I get my money's worth for it. I, I think that's a good statement you're making. Yeah, man. Um... Everybody's had an ugly stick. Everybody grew up, you know, most people's first rod was an ugly stick. And, uh, and man, I'm, I'm throwing an ugly stick carbon. It's, uh, it's the top of the line ugly stick that they make. It's a red rod. And, uh, man, it's seven, it's the higher end ugly stick. It's 79 So, uh, <laughs> but, and I also use the GX2s for stuff and they're 39 And, yeah, man, um, them ugly stick carbons are light rods, high quality. If you got I'm real surprised, I mean, I put them in angler up, and uh, they was like, man, I'm, kind of, I'm sponsored by ugly stick. And they're like, man, I'm kind of disappointed uh, that it's nice. You know, we're expecting something to be not this nice, but it's a real quality rod, man. Good for and, you. Uh, yeah, I've been fishing the Elite Series with it, and... Uh, yeah, I mean that all that says it all. Whose whose reels are you pairing up with uh, those ugly sticks? Um, I'm putting a lot of mostly Rebo SPX and okay. uh, and a couple Rebo Abu Parthia Rebo Bs. All right, fair enough. Give me your favorite uh, presentations. Uh, and I, that, that's gonna hard to say because I'm not telling you what the water looks like or what the lake is. But in general, if you had your druthers. What what three presentations would you prefer to fish? Uh, man, I if I was preferring to do something, a hundred percent a swim baiter. I like throwing going out, throwing a big soft body and hard body swim baits. Um, some set, you know, six to ten inch swim baits, some glide baits. Uh, yeah, man, and I I go with about the natural colors is best. I got a couple with some like. Chartreuse blue backs, you know, chartreuse purple back. But man, I'm a big time swim baiter, and if I got a choice on what I'm doing, that that's that's the way we're rolling. 
Somebody said that uh, with all the technological advances happening with electronics and, uh, you know, the, the spot lock anchors and stuff that fishing might be getting too easy. I don't see where it's ever getting too easy, but there, there are some things that, you know, I just saw they just, uh, they, they were doing this major league fishing thing and the guys were using those scopes that you look into, you hold into the water. Uh, they, they, yeah, they, flogger. Flogger, yeah, they call it flogger. And I said, where, where does it stop? Are, are we pushing it to try to make it too easy? Uh, no, man, the fish always adapt to whatever technology uh, we come out with. I think you've seen, you know, like the live scope and the floggers and whatnot. Uh, some of the things the fish did to get away from us at first, we're starting to find out, and uh, and they'll they'll make those same adjustments. You know, you know, once they get used to the new technology, then they'll make their adjustments, and yeah, we'll be back to the same boat we were in. I don't want to hear anybody say it's too easy because it makes me feel worse because it's always hard for me. I guarantee you that. It's never an easy thing to put fish in a boat when I'm out there. So I, I like to hear from when the best guys say it's a challenge and it and it's not as easy as some people make it look. And it's not for you, but you know what? I, I, I can't think of anybody out there on the water right now that's having a better time than Matt Robertson. You, you enjoy what you're doing. You're successful. You're winning. You just had a great performance in the Bassmaster Classic, uh, and I know you'll be back again next year. And I think you got a. I think you're one of the guys who's got a chance to be a, a Bassmaster Classic winner in their career. You got a long career, many years ahead of you. I wish you the best, and hopefully, get, hopefully, we get to talk to you again, Matt Robertson. All right, I appreciate you boys having me on. Excellent. Enjoy having you. You take care of yourself, my friend. Thank you. Bye bye. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, elite angler Chad Pipkins. Great explanation of what a flogger is. Interesting stuff. There's always something new in the world of fishing, isn't there? And then we're with the guy who is on them, Matt Robertson. Yeah, the guy with the fur coat out there catching bass. Doing a great job, getting to be quite a big name in the sport. A lot of fans. Who doesn't like Matt Robertson? I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. Daiwa, what a lineup of reels Daiwa has. They have something for everybody. They hit every price point and they make reels that have incredible quality. You want to catch more fish? Put a Daiwa reel on that rod of yours. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Available 24-7 everywhere you get podcasts and always available at our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we should have on this show. Please let us know that, too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. 
Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.